Hello, everybody, and welcome back to First and Goal, the hardest hitting of becoming ACC and SEC football podcast on the internet today. It is Saturday, June the 11th in the year 2022. Hope everybody's having a hell of a great weekend. So far, it's been pretty good for us, but above all else, we're here tonight. Talk some damn football with you. Joining me, as always, to talk this wonderful game is my co-host, D1. The only, as always, Big Rob. How you doing, brother? I'm doing pretty good. About to be a little bit better. Getting to talk a little bit of football with y'all on this great Saturday evening. Hell yeah, man. It's always great to hear. Always great to hear. We've got a lot of news to get into this evening, and then we're going to roll over once we get done, as always, with our film study discussing the spring football game coming from Columbia, South Carolina. My personal favorite, as always, the South Carolina Gamecocks, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The mighty Gamecocks up there in Columbia, South Carolina, man. What a game it was. Yeah, man. It was, it was a pretty good spring game. It was one of the better ones of the year I've seen as far as competitiveness. and Just really surprised me. Also, it was a, one of the best ones I've seen this year as far as changes being made, improvements in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, you're looking at that offensive line who was just horrible last season. And just the big changes there, we'll get into that here in just a moment, man. But it was just a great game, a great atmosphere. South Carolina, man, was was jammed up for this game. <laughs> but uh, we'll go ahead and move on to our first little bit of news uh, coming out of Kentucky. Down there in Lexington. That's up there, dog. That's up there. We in SC. Well, up there, yes, sir. Coming up, uh, coming uh, in from uh, Lexington, South Carolina. You messed me up. But uh, Lexington, we, South Carolina. Lexington, Kentucky. Damn, man. <laughs> well, you got me confused. You don't drink one. You just cracked a top on a beer. You already feel like that? <laughs> man, I'm tired. We went fishing earlier today. Come on, now. But. Very uh, interesting. <laughs> But now, coming in from Kentucky, man, some news regarding Chris Rodriguez. We reported uh, last week or week before that uh, he was facing some legal problems and may not even make the season this year. Uh, looks like it has been updated, though, that uh, he may not miss the entire season. I uh, shouldn't miss the entire season, but he looks like we'll probably end up missing four games, the first four. Hell yeah, man. I mean, that's... It still sucks, but at the same time, I mean, really, that's that is great news if you're a Chris Rodriguez fan. So, well, if you're a Kentucky fan anyway, because Rodriguez, man, he was the lifeblood of that team. I mean, don't get me wrong, Will Levis, great arm, you know, can get the ball down the field, but man, if you can't run the ball, you can't really do much. No, nah, there's no doubt at all on that. I mean, if you're gonna think about me, he was all SEC coming into this year. Preseason All SEC and uh, could very well be probably top five best running backs in the entire nation. Absolutely, absolutely. You know he is definitely going to be. Well, with all these legal problems that he's had, man, I don't know how he's going to do with the draft this year. But if he hadn't had the DUI, if he didn't miss court, man, it's really hard to tell where the where the roof if, with him would have been in the draft. That's right. I mean, if but if he misses four games, you still give him eight games to be in there, plus a bowl game. And if they make a bowl game, which I would expect Kentucky to do that this year, so 
with all that being said, I think he could still be a very high, very good draft pick somewhere in the first round, second round, I would imagine. Hopefully he could stay healthy throughout the year. I mean, realistically, nine games, you play like he has in years past, you can still break the 1,000-yard mark if you want to. Yeah, man. I mean, the thing with uh, with Rodriguez is, man, he was just a great all-around running back. I mean, he was a pounder. He really was a pounder. You know, the, the, like I said, the the ceiling is the limit for him. But we just got to see how he comes, you know, comes out of this, uh, you know, with this suspension and see where his head's at once he gets back on the field. The ceiling's the limit, or the sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. Excuse me. There is no ceiling, I guess, is what I meant to say. What what, what you got in that beer over there? <laughs> Oh, man. I just took the first sip of it. I told you I'm tired. But we're going to move on to a little bit more news out there in the great state of Kentucky. This time we're going to be moving to Louisville, talking about their newest wide receiver commitment, DeAndre Moore Jr., who is the number two wide receiver in the class of 2023, committed to Louisville. Yes, sir. you got to be extremely excited about that. Hopefully, you'll get him to put his name to paper. Yeah. Hopefully, this upcoming fall slash winter and get him in there. Because I'm telling you, man, I mean, you already got Malik coming, Cunningham in there, and they're slowly making a turnaround. This offense is one of probably the better offenses. Definitely one of the more high, fast-paced offenses in college football right now. And if they could ever get a defense to match it, boy, they could be a handful for a lot of people. Absolutely, man. I mean – Again, Louisville is one of those teams that can be dangerous. You never know what to expect with them. I mean, they can score quick on you, and if the defense does come to play, both are dangerous. Well, I mean, Malik Cunningham, you got a quarterback that can move. I mean, athletically, there's just no limits on this guy. None. He moves like a Lamar Jackson did, speed-wise. But he's also got a little bit of a physicality to him, kind of like a Tim Tebow or Cam Newton back in the day. But he's also got a hellacious arm on him, like you would expect from, hell, more recent years. He's got an arm kind of like a, we'll say, I'm trying to think of a good comparison, honestly. <laughs> and we'll just throw out, I'm going to say he's got an arm like Mac Jones or something, right. so to speak. He's got a strong arm, though. But he can really throw the ball very well. He can run the ball very well. Yeah. And, I mean, short yard of situations, he can drop shoulder. Yeah. And, I mean, the thing, when, when he's running the ball, too, man, I mean, you got to watch out for because he can throw on the run just as accurate as what he can in the pocket. Exactly, and I mean that's that's something you always want. Most dual threat quarterbacks normally have that ability and do very well with it. But when you get one like him, he just can be a very very difficult player to deal with. Absolutely, man. And you know, once you get those weapons around them, you know, there's there's really no stopping this Louisville team. But you know, you got to have the weapons. You got to have. You know, people to block for your quarterback. You got to have a defense that's going to be able to stop 
you know, a game. So, I mean, you know, Louisville's one of those teams that's still right on the verge of something big. I don't know if they're going to be there yet, but, you know, with this pickup for next year, well, they're, they're well on their way. I mean, you know, Moore is, like I said, ranked the number 17th overall player and the number two wide receiver in the class of 2023. The only thing I don't like is his size. He's only five foot eleven, weighs 190 pounds, but it's quick. This receiver? Yes, sir. Five eleven, man. Yeah, height used to mean something receivers, but realistically, man, I mean, look at NFL in the past decade or so. All right. New England had Wes Welker. He was a short little fella. Mm-hmm. Julian Edelman. He wasn't no tall guy. Right. Steve Smith with the Panthers probably go down as being <laughs> one of the best in the top ten receivers in history. Steve Smith, I think he was 5'9". Yeah. So, I don't think height's a big deal. I mean, if you can get a great receiver, if he's got that talent, he's going to ball out no matter how tall he is. So. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, man. I mean, skill, if you have the true skill, I mean, that overcomes – you know, all of the the so-called must-haves that you have to have, being a tall receiver. You know, a, That's right. A big body helps yeah. make up for it in the end zone. Height. You get a guy that's six foot five, six six six, two hundred and thirty-five pounds playing receiver. He can use his size to his advantage a lot. But you get somebody that's just got a natural God-given talent like a Steve Smith bad back in the day or Wes Welker, those guys. I mean Size don't matter. They just they find a way to make a play. Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. The skill mm-hmm. is the determining factor, man. And, and you know, the, the heart. As long as you have that heart, man, the bigger the heart, it don't matter how big you are out there. If you got the want to do it, you're going to do it. I agree with that 100%. So, yeah, man, if you're a Louisville fan, you got a lot to be excited about. That's good news for them. But, uh, Let's kick it to this next news you got. You got a little piece coming out of upstate South Carolina up there in Clemson, right? Yes, sir. Old Clemson. They just had a commitment from a four-star wide receiver, Mr. Noble Johnson, coming out of Rockwall, Texas. Interesting. When's, when's, uh, what class is he in? He is going to be a 2023 also, so he's coming in next year. Uh, this kid is six foot two, 205 pounds, and... From what I understand, man, he, he he has that leaping ability just like a Randy Moss does. Really? Yes, sir. That's very interesting. Well, interesting if you're a Clemson fan or <laughs> a little scary if you're a South Carolina fan or, you know, another ACC school. That's right. But for the Clemson fans out there, I mean, that's something to be very excited about, especially when in the spring game and you look at last year, really. The receiver position has not been your strongest point on the team, honestly. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing about this Clemson team also, man, is, you know, they are always getting the wide receivers to go along with, you know, any good quarterback play, man. I mean, you know, you could say that quarterbacks make the wide receivers, but I could also argue the fact that the wide receivers make the quarterback. Yeah, I agree with that. I could definitely agree with that. And, I mean, if you got one, a lot of times he'll make the other one. But there's been times also in the past where 
no matter how good the quarterback is, you can't do but so much. And it don't matter how good a receiver you are if you don't have a quarterback to get the ball to you. No matter. It don't. It really don't. But for Clemson, that is great news. That's going to be a definite contributor, hopefully, in the future with them. I'm sure Davo's probably – Davo, Davo's very happy to see that coming in there. So Yeah, absolutely, man. As the number 48 receiver in the country, I mean, that's that's definitely good news for Clemson and Davo. It's good news, but at the same time, it kind of sucks. You say that's the number 48 in the country. Like, that's not bad. But then we just mentioned Louisville getting the number two in the same <laughs> class. Right. Kind of makes you wonder a little bit. It's like, damn. Malik Cunningham, I believe he's a senior. He'll have one year of eligibility left after this year because of the COVID year. If he chooses to take it. If he chooses to take it. But if he has a good season this year, I mean, I don't see him really sticking around. I don't. So, unless the NIL is too good to pass up. Yeah. But... I don't know, it seems weird for them getting them to receive or close to getting one out of the 40s. I mean, either way, you can still develop. I mean, hell, there's guys out there that are two-star players recruited and go on to be outstanding Hall of Fame NFL players. Right. So, never. Yeah, I mean, go ahead. I was about to say, you know, just like you were saying, man, star power really don't mean much. I mean, it does to the fans out there who, you know, want to see the four, you know, five-star kids go to your program. But, I mean, look at how many kids went on to the NFL to be greats that were three stars, two stars, not even starred. No, absolutely, absolutely. I, I really, truthfully, don't really pay a whole hell of a lot of attention to the whole star thing anymore, to be quite honest with you. Mm-hmm. So... We'll see. Only time will tell in that scenario. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Time will tell. I mean, it's just getting – we're in the dog days of summer, and we're at these football camps that are going on right now. And, I mean, these kids are getting to know the staff. They're getting to know the players that are there. So, I mean, there's going to be more news coming about recruitment, you know, each and every day, hot and heavy, just all around the league, man. And, you know, it's just an exciting time. And, you know, if you're Clemson, this, you know, this really gets you a jump start on, you know, something that, you know, will we'll start to, you know, have a snowball effect. No, no. Ain't no doubt about that. So, be a good thing. But with all that being said, let's kick it on down south. Let's take it from, I, from 385 to I-26 and move on down east to Columbia. <laughs> Good old Columbia, South Carolina. Stars were out this week down there in Columbia, wouldn't they? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Speaking of star power, they had that campus slowed down four and five stars. Yes, sir. Visiting school. Four and five star players, man. You had Jerome Bettis out there, man. The bus out there. His kid is a, a three-star wide receiver, and he's a 2024 prospect, if I'm not mistaken. But he is out there, you know, participating in camp. And I believe this might be the second time that Jerome Bettis has been there. Yeah, yeah. Ain't no doubt about that, man. I mean, I'm I'm almost certain this is the second time now I've seen Jerome Bettis in Columbia. 
visiting school and everything. So that's got to be pretty exciting. You got to love seeing that. And it's just very exciting because you get an NFL bloodline coming into your school like that. I mean, how many kids are going to want to go there just thinks that they play with Jerome Bettis' son? How many right. people would love to meet Jerome Bettis? Right. Absolutely, man. I mean, hell, I'm a Steeler fan. And my my favorite running back of all time is the bus. Well, so, I mean, just imagine how, you know, if I was in camp, how much I would geek out just seeing the bus talking to Beamer. Oh, no doubt. And I'll tell you, man, I mean, Carolina, they've been bringing in a lot of NFL legends that campus last couple months. I mean, hell, Michael Vick's been there I don't know how many times now. Brett Favre, I think he's done been there twice. Twice? Mm-hmm. You bring in a lot of NFL players, not to mention the Carolina players that played NFL. I mean, hell, you see all Sean Jeffrey on campus a good bit. Yep. You see Debo Samuel coming around a good bit. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys. A lot of guys steady coming back in that campus visiting people. Hell, DJ Swearinger, I think. I swear, I think that's his home away from home anymore. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. And don't forget about Connor Shaw, who used to work on campus. Yeah, he's always in there visiting the place. I think Stephen Garcia, for former quarterback, I believe he's coming and going in and out there. You got Patrick DeMarco working for the school there. Yep. A lot of great things going on down there. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. The thing I love, man, is they are keeping, you know, keeping the greats there to be a part of the team, making them – you know, feel like just because they're graduating gone doesn't mean they're not part of the South Carolina folklore. No, for sure. And that's one thing that I think schools have been missing. You didn't see a whole lot of that in recent years. And then when Beamer came there, you see a lot of former Carolina greats on campus always coming back to talk with the new guys and just sharing with them that winning culture, that winning history, bringing it back and just encouraging them. And I guarantee it means a lot to these new players and everything else. Just really good chemistry, honestly. Really good chemistry, really good mindset, really good culture I have down there, up there in Columbia. Absolutely, man. I mean, the culture in South Carolina has just changed tremendously since Beamer got there, man. I mean, when was the last time you remember – you know, seeing some of these big name guys come back to the school, you know, during the the Muschamp era, you, you really didn't see it that terribly much. To be honest with you, you didn't see it a whole lot. And I can't recall, you know, in the Muschamp era that there ever really being a barbecue for, you know, all of the all the players just to, you know, to interact with each other. I mean, hell, last year, remember the water slide that they brought in. Nah, I don't remember that. <laughs> they brought in a water slide and, you know, just blow up jump cap- castles and stuff for the players to have fun with and just enjoy the time with each other. All right. I know I know Muschamp used to have some of the players out, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think he used to have them out to his lake house. Mm-hmm. I do believe they had cookouts and stuff out there. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that used to happen. I got you. But ask me if I remember bounce houses from last year. No, nah, man. You, 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 <laughs> You know, I've had a good many concussions. My memory ain't the best in the world to try to ring stuff on. Well, that's true. That's true, too. But let's talk about some of these uh, unofficial visitors that came in. Let her rip. And we're going to start out with the defensive ends. They had a five-star defensive end, Chantavian Bradley, 
from Platte City, Missouri. He was actually there for two days, <coughs> just visiting the school, getting to know everybody. Yeah, I seen where you uh, put a post on Twitter, I think it was, just raving about how much he loved the campus and loved the environment while I was there and how much fun he had enjoying it and everything. Yeah. And then you have another kid, um, in-state kid, if I'm not mistaken, Montague Rains uh, from Sumter, South Carolina. He was also in town, too, along the same time as Jadavian Bradley was there. Yeah, see, that's that's always a good thing is if you got, got one guy that's leaning a little more towards school than the other and they're the same age group, you can get them talking to each other, introduce them. One can tell them, hey, man, look, I'm coming here. These are the reasons I'm coming. I'm not sure what you're thinking about this, but these are the things I've noticed about this school. Mm-hmm. I've noticed this, this, and this, and this. I like this school for these certain reasons. They make me feel this way. I have this confidence in them. And look, man, if you come to this school, I got your back. Yeah. You already have a familiar face. And not to mention, you know, with um, Montague Rames being an uh, in-state kid from Sumter. Chantaley Ramley, of course, being from Missouri, but you've also got the kid talking the state of South Carolina up as well. With mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's always a good thing when you got stuff like that going on. Absolutely. And it's also a good thing when you got these big star recruits coming in there and then they see the bus walking around on campus. <laughs> yes, sir. Man, I tell you, that's, that's still, I would still flip out over that. I really would. Yeah, you, you, you probably <laughs> probably have a meltdown on spot. Oh, um, yeah, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. <laughs> but uh, everybody wants to talk quarterback. So let's talk a little quarterback. We had four-star Dante Reno, 2024, coming in, visiting for a three-day visit. Um, he was also throwing with uh, Marcus Satterfield on Thursday. And uh, from all accounts, man, he was looking real good. He's leaving for a trip up to Clemson after he left South Carolina. I can understand that. I mean, you're on the recruiting trail. You go to Clemson from South Carolina, Columbia, that ain't but about another hour and a half, hour, 45 minutes away. You go straight up 26, down 385, and you're there. So if you're visiting one and you're looking at both schools, you might as well visit the other one right there, especially with these fuel prices being the way they are. Yeah. I mean, it's it's – with the fuel, fuel prices like the way they are, man, like you said, it's it's easier to hit it all in one, you know, one little weekend than what it is for, you know, to go to one school one week and then just go, you know, a couple hundred miles up the road the next. Yeah, no doubt, man, no doubt. But uh, we're also going to talk a little blue chip uh, lineman, offensive lineman, was in twenty uh, for the twenty twenty four stuff where you had Josiah Thompson. From Dylan and Cam Pringle from Dorchester, Woodland. Cam Pringle, that's the one uh, Shane Beamer took his helicopter down and visited him, I do believe. Yes, sir, it sure is. Ain't too far from us right there in St. George. Mm-mm. That's great, man. You got these blue chip O-line recruits coming in there. I'll say it again. You can't – you can never put too much emphasis on your offensive line and defensive line. Because, I mean, that's where the rubber meets the pavement. That really is. Yes, it is. If you don't have a good O-line and you don't have a good D-line, you're fighting an uphill battle. You really are. 
You really are, man. I mean, your offensive line has got to keep the defense off of your quarterback, and the defensive line has got to be able to stop the run and also get penetration for the quarterback as well, for your linebackers. Yeah, ain't no doubt, man. No doubt at all. I mean, without offensive line, perfect example. Look at South Carolina two years ago, the Russian offense they had. Mm-hmm. And then look at them last year. I mean, you literally had the SEC's leading rusher. I think he was the nation's second, number two leading rusher in the nation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you heard that right. I mean, he. And then last year, the man didn't even get, I think, 700 yards, 600 Six yards. 700 yards last year, yeah. But, I mean, you could blame the back problems on that. Um, but, I mean, the back problems could have been from carrying the team from the year before, too. You could blame the back problems, but hell, it's a quandary white. He didn't have no back problems. No. Yeah. He didn't break no 1,000 yards this past year. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. But was that because they were divvying out? The rushes, or was that just because the line play wasn't all there? I think it's a number of things. The line play wasn't exactly there. Uh, there was a lot of miscues with the formation and the blocking scheme itself, not just line making poor blocks. A lot of people don't understand that, and I can't emphasize that enough. If you mess up in the scheme – as an offensive lineman, all you got to do is make one bad step. That's it. You take one wrong step and don't get the right angle on your block, play's over. Yeah. And when you got a new system, new guys, there's a whole lot of things going on last year. Now you've had a second year to really settle down and really – Learn the thing. And, I mean, the program really did start turning around towards the end of the year last year. A lot of their better games came towards the end of the season where the offense started clicking, so to speak. With an, except, excuse me, with an exception of that Clemson game, the offense definitely came, to life for the most, came alive for the most part towards the end of that season. So, I feel like they were somewhat figuring things out. Towards in there, and I mean, look at that Duke's Mayo Bowl. Also, last year, I'll go right back to that. Also, last year, you had offense that was designed for a dual threat quarterback. Right before the season starts, dual threat quarterback goes down with a foot injury. So then you're bringing in Colonel Zebuli, <laughs> putting down the clipboard. Uncle Rico coming into the game. <laughs> I'm just picking Zeb did a, did what the best he could. He did a great game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did a great job. Excuse me, in a lot of those games of putting the Gamecocks in position to win. If it wasn't for Zeb, we wouldn't have made a bowl game. No, wouldn't have. <clears throat> and also, Jason Brown came in and did some really good things. Mm-hmm. But in that bowl game, what stood out to me is you finally had a quarterback in that game that had the athleticism of a dual-threat quarterback. And in that game, the offense clicked better than it did in any game the whole entire season. And the playbook looked more like what we had seen in the spring game compared to the whole entire season because in the spring game, they still had a dual-threat quarterback. Yep. 
to people saying don't pay attention to spring games, I get it. It's a glorified scrimmage, glorified practice. You can say that. But if you think that spring game means nothing, that film you get to see in spring means nothing, you don't know much about football. You really don't. And I say that because, yes, it is a glorified scrimmage, but for people fighting for positions, what do the coaches look at after spring is over to fight to, to determine who was better at what position, who won the most battles? They look at that spring footage. When you look at that spring footage, I mean, this is where you truly test all your new guys your new team, so to speak. You think the games you see in spring, you're not going to see that. The plays you see during spring game, you think you're not going to see that during the season. You're going to see it. Yeah. If you see a guy screwing up bad in spring game, getting blown up constantly, you think he's not going to get blown up in the regular season? It's coming. Absolutely, man. And if you see a guy causing problems for your own team in the spring game, a great running back or a great quarterback or hell on defensive side a linebacker or safety. Or a wide receiver. Any of that. They're gonna cause problems in the regular season. Yeah. So that is why I always take a, a lot of extra time. We excuse me, we take a lot of extra time to look into these spring games, study the film, get to learn these new players, get to know them. Every player is different. Every offensive lineman is different. The way every offensive lineman goes about approaching his block, the way he gets off the ball, the way he does his footwork, his hand movement, his placement, mm-hmm. none of them do it the same. No. Defensive linemen, none of them are the same. Receivers, running backs, nobody's the same. No. If you want to truly get to know a player's tendency before the season, this guy you've never seen before, look at the film. Absolutely. If you want to know if you're going to have a decent team or not this year, look at the spring game. Yeah, you're playing yourself, but you know what? You'll find out quick how good you really are. You're going to find out where your weaknesses are and where your strengths are quick. Exactly. There's no doubt. And I mean, last year, the Carolina spring game, when Doty wasn't in the game and they had some of these other quarterbacks in their pro-style quarterbacks, the offense didn't move as well in the spring game last year. Mm-hmm. They ran the ball well in the spring game. When Doty's on the field, the quandary white ran the ball well. But that was because the defense was having to respect the dual threat quarterback. They were having to respect the athleticism. They could not just pull their ears back and attack the running back because he had to keep the man home. Right. Linebackers had to stay and read. They couldn't just fire off the ball and go for that one man. Mm-hmm. When Doty went down, that went out the window. Mm-hmm. When Joyner came in the North Carolina game, that's what happened. And the thing that they tricked North Carolina with two offseason, Ben and I both were yelling, hey, you know, in the regular season, put Joyner at quarterback, let him throw some instead of always running. But in the regular season, they always ran with Joyner. They never threw the ball, and it showed in that sp- in that uh, 
Bowlgate, once Joyner threw the ball, they were completely not ready for it. They wasn't ready for it on that first play. Once he threw that touchdown pass, they knew he could throw the ball after that. But what caught them so off guard, though, is the simple fact that, okay, we can't pin our ears back and go after the run game because he might be able to throw. Mm -hmm. If he's passing, we can't give him too much time back there because he could take off and run and get a first down. There's so many problems. There's just there's no way to cover all the issues. Yeah. And it, it overwhelmed North Carolina's defense. Yeah, it really did. I mean, those times that they looked lost out there. Really was. But speaking of spring ball, how about we go ahead and switch up, switch gears and go into a little South Carolina 2022 spring football. Yeah, we're going to talk about the current product. That's about next year. I ain't last year. <laughs> right off the rip, I noticed the crowd was very impressive. Very impressive. Good bit of noise, good-looking culture out there, a lot of fan activity, which, you know, they made a whole week out of it pretty much Columbia is basically celebrating all sports teams. Very exciting. This is our first chance also to see Spencer Rattler mm -hmm. on the Carolina on the field at Williams Bryce, so to speak, in the Carolina uniform, going through Marcus Satterfield's playbook, seeing how that's coming along. And I gotta be honest with you, he he didn't disappoint. He he looked pretty damn good. Yes, sir. Absolutely, man. I mean, he's got an arm on him, just like we saw in Oklahoma. He can read a defense like a book. I mean, the sky's the limit when it comes to Rattler. I mean, there was a couple of plays that – Held he on was, to it a little too long. Yeah, hold on to it a little too long or, or you know, even the short outs to the, the running back he was a little bit off on. But, you know, at the same time, man, I mean, he's just – he's very talented. No, he really is. And, I mean – I've done watched spring game going over time and time. I probably looked at it probably close to 10 times now. Mm -hmm. Just trying to damn study the film, break all this down. And I, I'm not going to lie, y'all. Coming into spring game, I was excited about Rattler, but at the same time, I was a little nervous. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit, I was a little skeptical, saying, man, um, this, this kid got benched last year. I mean, could we be inheriting – Something somebody else didn't want. What's going on here? Yep. And after about 10 minutes of spring game, I said, saying, you know what? Spencer Adler, he, he might be pretty fucking good. <laughs> this kid could be pretty fucking good. <laughs> well, I mean, look at that pass that he had deep down the field in the second possession. It wasn't even that far deep down the field, but the fact that he threw it off the back foot while rolling to the right, and he threw it back to the left side of the field, left side of the hash, mm -hmm. to a wide open Xavier Leggett. Yes, he was wide open, but still, throwing it off the back foot from across, across the, the field, and it was about 25, 30-yard completion, mm -hmm. and hit the man in stride like he did. Beautiful pass. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very, very beautiful. And, I mean, he also made some some good reads on his own with, you know, tucking it and running. I know they were, you know, blowing the play dead, you know, because he was the quarterback and they wouldn't allow to hit him. But there's a couple of runs he made that I don't think he would have got touched. No, he had a few scrambles where uh, red downfield seen to open inside and keep the ball, pull it down and take it off with it. And 
he definitely showed he also has a lot of athleticism to him, a little bit of speed to him, a little bit of shiftiness to go along with that great arm. And that can make a lot of people very nervous, man. Yeah, it can make a lot of people nervous, but also bringing in a great quarterback like this from another school that was a Heisman contender had an incredible 2020 season. 2021, we know he was a favorite to win the Heisman. Obviously, things didn't go how he wanted, and other people wanted, but a lot of experience. Starting, starting big games against big teams. Won a Big 12 championship. Yep. Kids done really good things, and he brings all that experience to the table, and that is extremely valuable to somebody that has never got time to really sit and learn the game like he should, like a Luke Doty. Yep. And, I mean, guys who've never played college football, period, Braden Davis coming in. Colton Gothier. Yeah, Colton Gothier. Hadn't had much playing time. And you could see that in the spring game. I mean, it really looks like he has not only done that, but he's made a positive impact in that quarterback room altogether. Well, absolutely, man. Absolutely. And, I mean, funny that you mentioned Luke Doty, man. He was probably the most impress, you know, impressive players that I saw out there as far as change goes in his play. No, no, he, he really did play like a whole different guy. I mean, the accuracy he had on his ball and the strength he had, yeah. the arm strength he displayed, and the accuracy just really, really surprised me. The way he was able to read the defense pre-snap, make adjustments, really, really good. There's a lot of things I didn't see before. Luke Doty always had this kind of raw – Look to him, real green look almost. A guy just thrown into a situation and is just trying to put out as many flames as he can. He's trying to put out a fire with a sprinkler. Yeah. <laughs> but in the spring game, when you look down, I mean, he just had a different kind of confidence about him. Not arrogance, but confidence. You know what I finally saw in Doty that I never saw before? What? A leader. No, he definitely showed some. Like he took command of the offense, showed some leadership qualities and whatnot. Like he's learning from Rattler as far as that goes. But also, what I'm saying, what impressed me with him the most, he looked comfortable mm-hmm. for the first time to me. He looked very comfortable back there. And all the quarterbacks, to me, showed that. I haven't seen that in years Yeah, with South Carolina. But I mean, hell, Braden Davis came out of this kid's never played college football. He's never seen SEC competition before besides what he's seen in practice. And in a game environment, Braden Davis came out and looked outstanding. Phenomenal. Like a very bright future. Colton Gothier came out there and <laughs> he had a few picks. Yes, he did have a few picks. But you go and look at that film a little bit. Was it a bad throw? Or was it more of a chemistry with the receiver and the like a receiver's running the wrong route? Or gave up on the route. Exactly. You watch enough times, you start noticing little things like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, Colton Gothier, even then, threw a couple of picks, but never had his confidence shaking a single bit. I mean, he come right back out next series and 
one or two plays later, he's back throwing the ball 30, 40, 50 yards down the damn field, well, slinging I mean, it. I mean, for Colton Gothier in that, I think he got the ball back with like a minute and 20 seconds left to go to tie the game. And he was able to drive the ball about halfway down the field. Had, I believe it was like 20 seconds left and tried to throw one to the end zone. And that's when he got picked off for the second time. But you know, they, even still. They was marching it down the field. Though. It was looking like it was a very good chance they could have could have won that game. And even then on that last throw of the game. I'm not going to say no names, but you look at the receiver. <laughs> we'll just say he's not there anymore. It was a reoccurring issue with one receiver he has since then transferred out of the program. Mm-hmm. That same receiver had, I don't know if he just having a hard time understanding the playbook or what was going on. Maybe the heart wasn't in it. Maybe he already was thinking about transferring before that. But the chemistry just wasn't there. I was leaving no. with that. The yeah. chemistry was not there with those two. Yeah, chemistry wasn't there, or yeah, something something was going on there. But I mean, quarterback room just all together really elevates play. But the position group, to me, the most that has progressed, moved moved on to a next level. I don't know how you want to say it. Just improved drastically. Is the offensive line? Yes, sir. I mean, we were talking about a line. Last year, the line did not look nothing like the line did in 2020. And 2020's line was not pretty by no means. Last year, there was a lot of confusion, a lot of missed blocks, a lot of scheme issues. And it showed all the way from spring game all through. It was a concern coming out of spring last year. But this year, an incredible, incredible improvement with the line. I mean, so just about every play you look at it, every man's got a helmet on somebody yep. throwing a block. You don't see nobody standing around. You don't see no missed blocks going on. If somebody gets through with some blitz, and I mean, sometimes you got blitzes, you're not going to have enough people to pick it all up. Right, absolutely. And sometimes you just got a man out there who's just better than you, and it's going to get you know get you beat to play. No, absolutely. But that line looked really good, and that showed also – through the quarterback play, but also in the rushing attack. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, the ground game. And I hate to say it because I loved the running backs last year. They, they even looked more improved. No, they did. They did. The ground game just all together looked great. I mean, you got a four-star running back, Marshawn Lloyd. Finally showed up and showed out. Last year, he was still recovering from an ACL injury from the tour the very first practice of 2020. Yeah, you could tell he was rusty all season, really didn't trust his knee too much. But in this spring game, man, I mean, he... Oh, that spin play. There's just numerous plays. The way he was able to move and push off of that knee, coming in and out of cuts. He, should, he looked like a four-star running back. That's the only way I could put it. He looked extremely impressive. Uh-huh. And then if you watch Wake Forest at all, man, when Christian Bill Smith came into the game, he looked like Christian Bill Smith. Oh, absolutely. Like a very much downhill, hard nose, in your face. Blocking running back. Three yards in a cloud of dust running back. Mm-hmm. Play with another heart. But he really he impressed me also with the hands. Yeah. He displayed. Which he was known for that somewhat at Wake Forest. But 
that one catch he caught from Rattler, man, I mean, double coverage, two guys, they were literally already, I don't know how to what slack pass interference, because they was already hitting him before the ball got there. Still somehow found a way to pull it in and find a way to go down with his shoulders going forward and get an extra two, three yards out of that play. Yeah. And then you had the other running back, um, Juju McDowell. Juju still picked up right where he left off in that bowl game. I mean, still showing great speed. Really a lot of physicality for a man to be so small. Yeah. Like he was, but the speed is just lightning fast. Yeah, to be as small as Juju is, man, he was dragging people, you know, while he was running. And you really don't see that from a small running back like that. It's, it's kind of funny because you got Marshawn Lloyd and Juju McDowell. Both of them showed great speed, great cuts, in and out of cuts, shiftiness, elusive. And you got Christian Bill Smith, your power back, and then you got another power back behind him, Rashad Amos, who looked really, really good. Mm-hmm. Missed most of last year, and, I mean, he really came out and played extremely well. And then you had another running back, which is your number, I guess you say your number five. Yeah. In the group. Yeah. I, Twitty. After- after the performance that DJ Twitty, a walk-on running back, had put on in that spring game, I don't know how you don't get moved up to fourth. I don't know about walk-on, maybe walk over, because he was walking over all kinds of people out there Jeez. that spring game. He just he ran over every damn person on the field. He might run, he might run over guys on his side a time or two. <laughs> I'm telling you. I mean, he played. That was extremely impressive by him. I don't know if y'all, you know, how many of y'all might have played football back in the day, but do you remember when the coach would tell the running back that if there is not a hole opened up to put your face mask in the small of your lineman's back and just keep on running? That's what Twitty did. He he just made a hole. (laughs) He ran a hole through people. He took... The phrase, this man will run through walls for you, he, he took that literal. Yeah, he really did. I mean, it. Oof. Well, that one play that he made six or seven people miss, just smack dab run over a line. I believe it was a linebacker. I was linebacker, defense back, but I swear the earth shook when he hit that man. <laughs> Jeez. I, I believe it knocked him out for a couple of seconds. Really did. Really, really concerned me. But just looked. Very impressive. So, you got a loaded running back room, quarterback room. You had some tight ends who looked very good. Oh, yeah. the receivers. Your uh, transfer, Juice Wells, coming Juice. in there. Yes, sir. Already like he had great chemistry with Rattler. Mm-hmm. Looked to be very, very, very physical. Yeah. Great hands. Uh, Xavier Leggett looks like he's kicked up another notch since mm-hmm. last year. Really starting to turn a page with him. It looks like. He's going to have the Josh Van effect, I believe. Yeah, but hell, Josh Van's still there. And yeah. Josh Van looked damn good. So, yeah. this Carolina offense, man, just really all the way across the board has really shifted gears, I guess you could say. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it's crazy how much, what, six months has changed? Nine or six. I mean, how do you think about it now? Well, at that time, it was April, so yeah, four months. One in four months. Well, three. Yeah. So, that's insane. If you really want to think about it, they didn't have one month's practice before the spring game. That's true. 
it, it was extremely impressive. And then through summer workouts, and then you get into fall camp. I'll tell you, Carolina's got a lot of good things going. Yes, we've been raving about the offense, but I want to go ahead and clear there on something also. This defense of Clayton White, they have not taken a step back by no means. Oh, absolutely not. Your linebacking core looks just as good, if not better, than last year. Mm-hmm. The defensive, de- defensive line, Jordan Strong, Terrell Dawkins, mm-hmm. both of them look to be very good. Jordan Burch is out there looking very physical. Mm-hmm. Putting on shows, Zach Pickens still yes, looks damn good. Very, very physical. DBs are still looking good. Oh, Cam Smith is all over the place. Yep. RJ Roderick still out there. You just you got a lot to look forward to, and I'm telling you, this team looks much improved. And they they surprised a lot of people last year. We we called that last year discussing spring, and I'm not going to go into schedules nothing else, but I, I'll go ahead and be feel confident saying. They're going to throw a few surprises out there again this year. I believe you're right. I wholeheartedly believe you're right. I mean, if you told me like this time last year that Carolina would get a couple transfers and this team would look this much improved, I'd have told you you was out of your cotton picking mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for saving me there. <laughs> That's a much nicer way to say it. <laughs> but I, I don't know. But South Carolina has always been that team that looks good on paper. And then once you get to the field, it, it kind of dwindles off. But with everything that they've got going on right now, I do believe that there's a lot of teams that's going to be in trouble this year. Well, it's kind of funny. Through the Muschamp era, there's a lot of times where a team looked pretty good on paper and they cut transition it to the field. But if you go back to the Spurrier days, there's a lot of times where on paper the team didn't look like it had a chance and they found a way to win. Yeah. And you look at last year with Beamer and hell, going forward with Beamer, there's going to be a lot of times where on paper they're going to say, they don't look bad, but they don't look like they got what it takes. And they find a way to win. Yeah. Might be some struggle wins out of some real close games. Yeah. But winning's winning. I don't care if it's about one point or Absolutely, four man. touchdowns. And the thing about last year's team, too, the, the games that they got blown out in, they never quit. No. They never quit. No, they played their asses off in every game. They gave it everything they had, just – Football, you're going to have good days and bad days. It's like everything else. But the thing is, when you get a group of players together, get them in a great system and just keep building on it year after year after year, you start having a lot more good days than you have bad. You really do. Everything takes time. Yes, sir. But if you're a South Carolina fan, I think you got a lot to be excited about, A a lot of things to give you hope. It's going to take time. Like everything, it's going to take time. you got to be patient. But I think your staff you have is a great fit. And this team you got right now, 
from what I've seen, man, it, it looks like a team that's close-knit and they are ready to play ball. Very close-knit, man, especially with a lot of these freshmen that came in. Just recently, You, uh, I know y'all had to watch that video. The, the, um, what was it? Full House. The Full House. Yes, sir. Thank you. I was thinking Family Ties. But full House, the Full House rendition that they did with all the freshmen and former players and everybody just making a bond, man. It was it was a great thing to see. No, it really was. All the freshmen transfers. Yeah. It's just really it's exciting. It's a great time to be a Gamecock. It really is. It most certainly is. But with all that being said, brother, you got anything you want to add? I ain't got nothing much else to add right now. We got a couple of things in the works that we might bring out to you next week, but we'll let y'all know. All right, well, with that being said, guys, keep on sharing it up. Keep hitting that like button, that subscribe button. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell your daddy. Tell tell whoever. Tell your uncle. I appreciate it. We appreciate y'all. We appreciate all the feedback we've been getting. Been getting a lot of interaction with y'all this week on social media. Enjoyed every minute of that. And last but not least, let's keep those drinks cold. And let's keep those chains moving. We'll see y'all next time.